you guys. Um, today's sermon comes from a sermon that I preached this past Sunday, and so this is going to be this is going to work as our recording for that service because I was unable to go live and record that sermon, and so today uh, I will just give it. Uh, this sermon is on the three truths about the wrath of God. Uh, the doctrine of the wrath of God has fallen on hard times. In today's world, any concept of God's wrath upsets our modern sentiments. It's too disconcerting, too intolerant. We live in a day where we have set ourselves as the judge and God's character is on trial or we have placed ourselves as moral equals to him, ignored our own sin and trespasses, and placed the burden of the law solely on the shoulders of those that have trespassed against us or only on those that are entangled in the sins that we dislike most. So we struggle with one or two questions. How can hell and affliction be just? Or how can God's justice allow evil men to inflict and commit horrible acts of sin on society? The fact that so many people struggle with these two questions and many more like them suggests that more than ever, right thinking is needed about the doctrine of God's wrath. It is needed for motivation for Christian living, fuel for proper worship, and as a tool to confront objections to Christianity. Um, so now we'll start with these three points. Uh, of course, these aren't the three only points of God's wrath. Um, our first ever podcast was entitled The Bad News Before the Good News. This will just kind of um, put the microscope on that a little bit. The bad news of our current situation is sin and are deserving of God's wrath for that. The good news of our particular situation is that Christ Jesus, the image of God in flesh, came onto this earth and he died for us. So the first of these three biblical truths that I've written down is God's wrath is just. It has become common for many to argue that the God of the Old Testament Testament is a moral monster that is by no means worthy of worship. However, biblical authors have no such problem. In fact, God's wrath is said to be the perfect is said to be in perfect accord with God's justice. In Romans, Paul wrote, "But because of your hard and impendent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourselves on the day of wrath, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed." That's in Romans chapter 2, verse 5. See, God's wrath then is in proportion to human sinfulness. J.I. Packer summarized when he said, God's wrath in the Bible is never the capricious, self-indulgent, irritable, morally ignoble thing that human anger so often is. It is instead a right and necessary reaction to objective moral evil. Um, the next line that I'm about to say was said by a pastor uh, in a sermon, one of, the, one of the best teaching pastors that I've ever been around, Jeremiah McElyay. 
And this was one of these things that he said at the Way Church when I was there that just absolutely floored me. And, and it stuck with me and it's continued to remain with me. And he said, human anger and revenge says one of two things to God. Either we believe God's wrath and eternal judgment is not sufficient punishment, or we believe the cross of Christ is not sufficient payment for our sins. I think that kind of answers and speaks to the heart of how when we take justice into our own hands and try to remove the gavel, if you will, from God, uh, when we don't trust in God's ultimate judgment and his righteous place as judge over this earth, and instead we try to morally make things right, it's like we always make a mistake in that. We usually fight hate with hate, and uh, more often than not, love is just thrown out the window. Yeah. Or, you know, usually like, well, they don't deserve my love. Right. And that's not right. No, it's not right. Uh, God's wrath is to be feared. That's our second point. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everyone knows, if you're a Christian, you know that that uh, that verse and is so real. Uh, that's in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. So we know that God's wrath is to be feared by all, not some, not just some who commit those sins that we most dislike, but by all. God's wrath is to be feared because we are all in the same boat together. Because all of us have sinned and no one comes close to the perfection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the demand that God commands for perfection. This next point that I'm going to make is not a knock on how the Sermon on the Mount is preached. I do believe that Christ Jesus was revealing to them during the sermon of the perfect way to follow the law. But I also believe that the Sermon on the Mount was more of a revelation of how even these judgmental religious people that's, that were in that crowd how far from the mark that they were from perfection. Those who would stone a woman who committed adultery or those who would cast judgment on those that had committed those sins that they disliked the most. And Jesus said after he told us to love our enemies because even the Gentiles love only those who love them. He said these profound words in Matthew 5, verse 48. He said, You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, anyone in that crowd knew that they fell short 
a long way from that mark. This moment was he who cast who he who has not sinned cast the first stone type of phrase. It was enough to take even the most religious person and knock him off the high horse that he sat on of religious piety. The Bible says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith alone, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. That's in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. So God's wrath is to be feared because we are justly condemned sinners apart from Christ. In Matthew 25, verse 3, Christ Jesus says, There will go away into eternal punishment those who have not believed in Jesus, but the righteous, the righteous by faith, will enter into eternal life. God's wrath is to be feared because God promises and he can never lie. He is never a liar. His words are true. And he promises eternal punishment for those who are apart from Christ. Now, if I left you with those first two, it's a pretty gloomy message this time, but I'm not going to end that way because the gospel doesn't end that way. The Bible doesn't end the way, that way. The story of God and man and our time on earth does not end that way because my third point is God's wrath was completely satisf- satisfied in the cross of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel. This is the good news. If you ever wonder what those words mean, the gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ, it is that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Paul told Timothy that in chapter 1, verse 15. So we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as appropriation by his blood to be recon- to be received by faith. We are to receive this by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over our former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Romans 3, 24 through 6. So because of Christ, and only because of Christ Jesus, God can rightly call sinners justified. In this cross, this death and murder of the perfect one, the image of God. God has done what we could not do, and he has 
done something that we did not deserve. The brother of John Wesley, Charles Wesley, who wrote thousands of hymns, he exulted and said this, it, and, it, and can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain, for me who him to death pursued. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? So, guys, that's it. That's as clear as it can be. Um, all of us have fallen short of God's glory. All of us are world destroyers, enemies of God. But we have been reconciled. Those who believe by faith in Jesus Christ, the image of God on earth, the word that became flesh, we have been reconciled to God through his blood and through his suffering. If you would, pray with me. Dear gracious God, Lord, I thank you so much for the gospel. God, I thank you for your son that came. God, I thank you for the words that he said that were pinned down and carried throughout generations to where we can read those precious words. Lord, I thank you for the apostles, the disciples, God. God, I thank you for the preachers and the scribes who continued to carry that on so that we could proclaim the gospel today, forever, and always, God. Lord, I pray for anyone who watched this that maybe this was a revelation to them about God, you, your son, what you've done for us, God, and how we can be reconciled to you through faith in Jesus Christ. I pray that those would come into the fold, God. I pray that they would join a church and that a pastor would pastor and shepherd them and lead them into this new life that we'd lead as Christians. God, thank you for the internet, God. Thank you for the means to communicate, God, and evangelize in our community and across the world. God, I pray for our churches. I pray for our pastors, God, and I pray for our body. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Love y'all.